Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Our very present help in the time of trouble. God, our refuge and our fortress and our strength, our God in whom we do trust. Surely you have delivered us from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence, from the air that flies by day and the destruction that wanted at noonday. God, there's one thing that we desire of you, that we might dwell in your house. Now, God, we come at this time to proclaim the truth of your word. God, we don't have any power outside of you. God, we don't have any strength apart from you. So we pray now, God, that you will give us preaching power. Holy Spirit, have your way. Hide us behind the cross. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted in thy sight, O Lord. You are my strength. You are my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We honor God our Father. Jesus, our redeemer. And the precious Holy Spirit who lives within every believer. We honor the pastor and his wife in their absence. To my high school sweetheart the love of my life my wife to all the wows and their spouses to all the deacons and to the mothers to all of my father's children to these men that's encouraging us to recognize that God is the very air that we breathe He is the very song that we sing. But for some reason, we haven't got hold of that yet. I don't know what it is, but we had not caught it yet. Maybe we'll get it later on. We're going to get right into the message. The title is First Things First, and I want to reiterate the verses, if I will. You let me? Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then I want to jump down to verse 8. But we'll be looking at these verses again, but I just want to reiterate at the beginning. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So for those of you that think that it's not biblical for men to lift up their hands. 
You see it right here in the word of God. Amen. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. One of the most important principles I began to learn as a child when growing up in Thomas County is my, on Sunday morning, my parents would gather us around the breakfast table, Brother Fred, and we would get down on our knees. And we would pray to the God that brought us over. All right. And later on, I, my parents, they would give the children an opportunity to lead in prayer. So prayer was being taught to me early as a child. Keep in mind that I'm still learning how to pray. I got another lesson in prayer Back in 1983, when my son, our son was born, and as he began to get a little older, God began to teach me how to pray. Do I have a witness, parents? Because if you don't know how to pray as a couple, when you have your first child, you will learn how to pray. Not only did that lesson in prayer continue on, but as I got a little bit older and thought I knew more than my parents taught me, Mama B, I got grown. <laughs> Went off to Payne College and didn't care nothing about prayer. Matter of fact, I went totally opposite to what I was tra trained back on Hall Road in Thomas County, Georgia. But I'm so glad that God is sovereign. I'm so glad that God has providential power. I'm so glad that in spite of where I was going, God still has parents praying and when I got married then, my wife started attending Union Grove in Warner Robins. On Sunday, I didn't have time for Union Grove. <laughs> I had to go to Robins Air Force Base to the Class 6 store with those that had military ID. <laughs> See, they wasn't selling liquor back then on Sundays everywhere. <laughs> but we could go to the base. Let me move on. <laughs> so while my wife was attending Union Grove I was having my time in the world many of you know my testimony I won't revisit that but suffice it to say that it was through prayer that God first brought me into the world it was through prayer that God delivered me from the world And it was through prayer that I have been born again. Many of you don't know it and don't realize it, but if you would just pray, 
Situations and circumstances may not change, but you will find out that you will change. And you see, when you change, or when I change, then I'll have peace within that flows like a river. Then I can fit in to God's plan. This message this morning is entitled, First Things First. It was John Wesley who said that God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. Jesus makes the statement to the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. He says, I know your works. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. They did not retain the strong ardent affection they had for God and sacred things such as prayer. They needed to repent and do the first works. Andrew Murray states that until ministers agree with Jesus and begin to see that the most important thing for us in the body of Christ is not preaching or pastoral visitation or church work, but the most important thing is fellowship with God in prayer. Until we are clothed with power from on high. Got a little experiment I want you to, t- to do with me. Grab your wrist. And for those that know you, how you take your pulse with your wrist. Take your pulse. Go ahead and do it. It's all right. Ten seconds has passed. Do you realize that about three people die every second? And out of those three people, countless of them are going into a Christless eternity. Wow. Well, you said, preacher, what does that have to do with me? Well, stay awoke and we'll tell you. In our text this morning, Paul has been on trial in Rome and he was released. And according to Warren Wisby, he ends up somewhere in Colossae or Philippi where he writes this letter to young Timothy. He met Timothy on his second missionary journey and he was led by the Spirit to end up where he was because he tried to go into Asia. Then he tried to go into Bithynia, but he was forbidden by the Spirit. And then he had a vision of a man from Macedonia telling him to come over here and help us. And so Paul, supposing that he was being led by God and the Spirit, he went on headed toward Macedonia. And then Paul, he ends up and he met Timothy. Timothy was raised in a godly home. His mother was a Jew and his father was a Greek. Timothy was a young man and Paul saw something in Timothy that Timothy didn't even know was in himself. And what you have to understand, young people, sometimes God will give your parents discernment about you. If you have praying parents, God will give them visions about you. 
Not only that, but God will give your parents discernment when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're not being where you ought to be. I know what I'm talking about. You can be in Georgia Southern and God can speak to me in Warner Robins. And God can give me discernment about what you're doing in Georgia, smoke, Georgia Southern smoking them blacks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I, I didn't read that in a book anywhere. I just lived the life and got closer to God. You see, when you are, are, are a child of the king, Amen. and when you have offspring, then your offspring, they're under your covering. And when you stay down in Nebo Valley for your offspring, God will talk to you about your offspring. Yeah. Do I have a witness? Yes, right. So we find that Timothy, he became a, a, a student, if you will, of Paul. Paul writes this letter to this young pastor and it's meant to give guidance to pastors and to, and to tell them how they ought to conduct themselves in the local assembly, preaching the truth and appointing vilified leaders. And, but in chapter 2, the focus is on calling men to prayer for the lost. In our lesson on Sunday, we are studying a call to deliverance. Pastor Dave mentioned in the newsletter a transformed life from the old way to the new way is evidence of the saving grace of our Lord. So salvation then, it means to be saved from an impending danger. Or more biblically focused, it means to be saved from the powers of Satan and sin and on my way to glory. So Paul, he writes this letter to Timothy and in our church and in our culture, we have a priority when it comes to having singings in the church. We have a priority when it comes to having fun on Sundays, on Saturdays rather, and meeting out here and having bounce houses. And we have a priority when it comes to eating in the church. We have a priority when it comes to all kinds of things in the church, but the question is asked, where is the priority on praying for the lost? That's good. Well, if it's first thing first, preacher, how do you know that that's the first order of business? Well, I heard somebody said there was an app for that. There was a rich young ruler who asked the question to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life Jesus went on in the conversation tell him at the end he said sell all you have give to the poor and come follow me and you'll have treasures in heaven but the Bible records that the, that the rich man he hung his head and he went away sad because he had great possessions and then Jesus went on to astound his disciples he said, it is easier for the camera to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. His disciples being amazed and astonished, they asked the question, who then can be saved? Jesus comes back with the answer, with men it is impossible, but not with God. Come on now. 
For with God, all things are possible. So that lets me know then that if we want to be in the business of saving souls, it's more than about going out on third Saturdays. It means we got to get down on our knees and start praying for the lost. You see, we don't incorporate God into evangelism, then folk can't be saved. How do I know? Because I can't save anybody. Because the Bible said that the Holy Spirit, he convicts the world of sin because they believe not on Jesus. And of righteousness because Jesus sent it back to the Father. And of the judgment to come because the prince of this world has already been judged. So that means that God is the one that initiates salvation. God is the one that draws the lost. God is the one that saves the lost. God is the one that keeps the one that saved from going back into the world. In other words, it's all about God and what he does. It's God's desire according to our text. That all men be saved. But in order for us to see the hand of God move, we as men, we ought to be prayer warriors. But I want to let you in on another secret. You can't be a prayer warrior in the house of God if you ain't a prayer warrior at home. All right, right, Mr. Bob. You see, I can't tell you to teach your children to pray if I first hadn't taught my children to pray, Fred. If they don't ever see me pray, not just every now and then, but on a consistent basis, then how do you think they're going to learn how to pray? I remember very vividly when God called me into this life of freedom from bondage of sin. I remember I would get up early in the morning and I, and I had a time of communing with God. And oftentimes I would get up before anybody in the house. And then every now and then my son would break in on me. And he would ask me to do, uh, ask me something and various things. And, and I was also reminded it wasn't too long ago that my son would break in on me and he, he saw me with a Budweiser can in my hand. It wasn't too long before at that time that he would break in on me in a smoke-filled room. All right. But I'm glad this morning yeah. that the God we serve, All right. he's able to deliver us right. from whatever it is that has us bound. And I'm glad this morning that he got an opportunity to see me praying and calling on the name of the Lord. Because little that you, you, you may not realize it, parents, but one of these days your children are going to have to understand that they can't depend on you. They got to depend on the God that's able to keep them. Yeah, y'all might not know that right now, but Maybe we all stand guilty before God of the sin of prayerlessness. We claim there is no time, yet we make time for social media. 
We tweet like it's no tomorrow. We Facebook like we're in a famine. We text even in the house of God. Last I heard, Jesus ain't on Verizon. <laughs> so you can't be talking to him. But we, t we say that we don't have time for prayer. We claim we love God, but we are like Adam after he had sinned. And God came looking for Adam in the cool of the day. And God asked the question, Adam, Adam, where art thou? Adam was hiding or trying to hide from God. He once had communion and communication with God, but because of sin, he no longer wanted that fellowship with God. Maybe it's because we're out of fellowship with God that we don't want to commune and con connect with God. Well, this morning we see that in our text it tells us that if we want to pray for the lost, it includes the nature of prayer. So we see the, disp the disposition or the nature of prayer includes these four things in verse 1. Therefore I exalt first of all that supplication, prayers, intercession, Giving a thanks be made for black men. I went to another version then, didn't I? <laughs> for white men, red men, yellow men. No, I said for all men. All in the Greek means what, scholars? Means all. <laughs> so the disposition of prayer includes supplication. This word in the original language is from the root meaning a lack of, or uh, be without, or a need. So in essence, this, this kind of prayer, it arises out of a need. When you recognize that there is a need, then you are, you are moved or you are prompted to pray. And so when you recognize that, that, that my co-worker, they are lost. When you recognize that my, my, my nieces and my nephews, they, they are so enamored with this world. And when you recognize that even your spouse may be, may be lost and on their way to a burning hell, then it prompts you to offer up supplication or prayer that erupts out of a need. And what is man's greatest need? It's not to have a career. It's not to be a CEO. It's not to be in the NBA or the NFL or the National Baseball Association, but man's greatest need is salvation. It is to, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? What does it profit a man if he gets a $60 million shoe deal and lose his own soul. Are we too in love with self to stop and pray for the salvation of someone else? 
Am I too busy being focused on my... If I brought up your, uh, your electronic device and went to your portraits and your pictures, All right. I wonder who I would see the most of. <laughs> it's quiet. I heard somebody say self. I didn't say it, I just heard it. Are we too busy taking selfies? That we so selfish we don't want to pray for somebody else to be saved? After Job lost everything and his wife suggested for him to curse God and die, his three friends had not spoken of God what was right. And then in Job chapter 42 verse 7, God speaks to Job's three friends and God says, my wrath is a wrath against you and your two friends. So God's wrath was kindled against Job's two, three friends. When God's wrath is kindled, guess what happens? We don't have to look very far. Just look back at Dorian. That's a picture of the wrath of God. I wonder how many of those folk on the, in the Bahamas that went into eternity did not know the Lord. Wow. Romans says that the wrath of God is revered from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness against. God is a loving God and we hear that 90% of the time. God is a merciful God, and we, and we know that that's true. But what we often fail to realize is God is a God of wrath. God is a God of judgment. God is a holy God. And as a holy God, God has to deal with sin. So Job... But what's interesting about the life of Job and Job 42 is God, God spoke and said my servant Job in verse 8 of chapter 42 of Job he said my servant Job shall pray for you. God was talking to Eliphaz and Bildad and, and his other friend and God said my servant Job will pray for you. Now God was about to release unleash his wrath on Job's friends. But God is a merciful God. And before God releases his judgment, he'll extend mercy. And so God, he said, the Lord, I will accept Job's prayer. And he said, the Lord restored Job's losses after he prayed for his friends. Job had to pray for his friends so that the wrath of God would not come down on his friends. You got friends that you ought to be praying for. Because unless they repent, they will perish. Unless they turn from their wicked ways, they'll go off into eternity and end up in a burning hell. And God has them in your circle so that you can begin to pray for them so that you can begin to witness to them, but we are so caught up in the world. 
Wow, let me let me get through because time is time is winding up. So not only do we see the dispensation of prayer includes supplication, but it also includes prayer. Look at the text. First of all, that supplication prayers. Well, prayers in the in the Greek is prosuke. This means prayer offered or addressed to God in a suitable place. For the Jews, the suitable place was the temple. They didn't have the, wasn't close to the temple they had. If ten families, ten men were, were there, they could, they could establish a synagogue. So the suitable place then was the synagogue. Well, what happened if they didn't have the temple or the synagogue? Well, what the Jews would do, as we find when Paul, he met Lydia. The scripture said they went down by the river where prayer was oft made. So they would meet down by a riverside or by a seabed where they could wash their hands. Well, what is that all about, preacher? Well, washing their hands, according to the Psalms, he said, Who shall ascend into the hills of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? Only he that has what? Clean hands and a pure heart. Psalm 26, 6 says, I wash my hands in innocence, and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all of your wondrous deeds. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So this, the other next disposition of prayer, it includes intercession. This word intercession, it means to fall in with someone or draw near as to speak intimately. Remember, we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Therefore, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25 We can do it for the lost if we join in with the Holy Spirit. Romans tells us, for the Spirit, he intercedes on our behalf with groans that cannot be uttered. And, it, and Paul also says in the book of Romans 7, 8, says, for the Spirit, he helpeth our weaknesses. That word helpeth in the original language, it means instead of and along with. That means the Holy Spirit will pray instead of or along with us. That means he won't do it without us. And we can't do it without him. Right. He joins in with us, but we have to submit to the Spirit and go down in Nebo Valley and call upon the name of the Lord for those who are lost in our circles. Right. Right. Not only do we see the dispensation of prayer includes supplication, prayers, intercession, but notice it includes giving of thanks, giving of thanks to all men. For all men, notice it says kings, and, and in our day, it could mean presidents, it could mean senators and house of representatives, and it could mean teachers and principals and people in authority. So it, we should be praying for the salvation of all men, in spite of how we feel about the president. We still are obligated to pray. For the president. I don't agree.
agree with everything that he does. I didn't agree with everything that Obama did. But I still prayed for him that he might be saved. Andrew Murray writes also in his book on prayer, he says, when the church shuts herself up to the power in the inner chamber and the soldiers of the Lord have received on their knees power from on high, then the powers of darkness will be shaken and souls will be delivered in the church on the mission field Everything that we do depends on faithful exercise in the power and purpose of prayer. Notice in verse 3, we see the dispensation or the character of our divine daddy. Well, I'm not being irreverent, but Galatians 4 and 6 tells us that God has sent forth his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, or in, in our vernacular, it would mean Daddy God. I remember growing up, I used to call my parents by their first name. You know, Jane, give me something to eat. Charlie, give me some money. And then it was one of the mothers in the church, Mama B. She pulled my brother and sister to our side. And we were old enough, you know, to, to, to know something. We ought to have some kind of sense, but I guess we did. She pulled us aside. And she said, baby, that's your mom and your dad. You don't need to call them by their first name. You need to call them mama, Come on now. a mother, a daddy, a father. And from that day to this one, I always gave respect. To my parents. Yeah. You see, it was disrespectful to me to call them by their first name. Amen, young folk. That wasn't in there, but it was in there. <laughs> so then I can refer to God as my daddy because he's my father. And I have an intimate relationship with him through my. Savior, my elder brother, Jesus. And so since I can call him daddy, then I can go to daddy on the behalf of those who are outside of the family. And as daddy, if you would just save them. Daddy, they don't know that they need you, but daddy, they need you. Brother, brother Al and I, we were at Dooley on Thursday. We were sitting around in a, in a group. They, they canceled church service. And so... We had more in attendance at, at our fellowship. And we go down to facilitate AA and, and there was a young guy sitting beside me here. He was tattooed up everywhere. And he was led to share something. He began to share. He said, yeah, he says, he says I'm a banger. He said, yeah, I'm a gang banger. He says, I love it. He said, I don't know anything else but banging. He said, I got five daughters. I don't want to quit. Sometimes I want to quit, then I don't want to quit. He said, I don't, I don't want to quit. And then, I, I, while he was sharing, I said, Lord, Lord, what can I say that's going to impact anybody in this room? And so the Lord impressed upon my heart. He said, share with them about hell. He said, share with them about hell. He said, share with that young man that his daughters are praying for him. 
He said, because every daughter wants to have a relationship with their father. Whether they're in the house or out of the house. God has put it in, especially daughters, to want to know their father. And as I began to share with him, I could see that he, he, he began to take notice. And his mind began to think about his daughters. I said, you may not know it, but they're they praying for you. And you're going to see something in the days and the weeks to come because they're praying for you to be saved and to be delivered. You may not have the want to right now, but I believe that God in his providence, he's going to move on their behalf. He's going to give you the want to. But we got to see folk as God see them. God wants folk to be saved. And as I prepare to close, I'm closing now. So the heart of God is to see the salvation of souls. It says uh, later on, on in scripture, it says, verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. Notice it says, there is again, all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he gives clarification to, so, that, so that Timothy can reiterate it to those that he are serving as the overseer. For there is one God, and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That's the God-man, fully God and fully man. Verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So God, he desires that men pray everywhere. He desires that men would, would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath, and without doubting, without being, without anger, and without doubting. Doubting what? Doubting what your mind is trying to, trying to confuse you about. Doubting because you've got a little education, and, and doubting that, well, maybe God, maybe he didn't, Jesus didn't get up from the grave. Maybe, well, maybe the Bible was written by man, and it's not, it's not God inspired. Well, maybe, doubting, doubting, you have to settle in your mind. That this is the word of God. You got to settle in your mind. It said to give testimony in due season. Well, to give testimony to what? That Jesus Christ of the seed of David. He was born of the Virgin Mary. The scripture says he began his earthly ministry at 30 years old. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He raised Lazarus from the grave. This same Jesus was taken to, from judgment hall to judgment hall. This same Jesus walked the Via Della Rosa. This same Jesus went out on Galgata. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. They pissed my Jesus in his side. Plucked out his beard. Put a crown of thorns on his head. Out what came blood and water. The same Jesus, he hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. The same Jesus, he cried out to tell a side. It is finished. It is over. They took him off the cross, laid him in a tomb. But I'm so glad this morning, that early resurrection morning, the same Jesus, he got up with all power in his hand. 
So he was testified in due season. I just gave testimony of him. And this same Jesus who ascended up in the clouds, he's coming back in like manner. But the question is, with those around you be ready. Will your family be ready? Will your husband be ready? Will your wife be ready? Will your children be ready? They won't be ready unless you tell them about Jesus. They won't be ready until you pray that God saved them from a burning hell. Are you praying for the lost? The lost need you to pray. Their eyes have been blinded. If you pray that God remove the veil of darkness from their eyes, they'll be able to see that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. But you got to pray that God will move on their behalf. Paul told Timothy, tell the folk in your church, Timothy, that they ought to pray for all men, that they will live a quiet and peaceable life. Why didn't you deal with that verse? Because until you get saved, you can't live a quiet and peaceable life. As we stand to our feet, extend an invitation to discipleship. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.